on the block on demand. Without Jerry McEnroe, we wouldn't have won 10 f- games this year. Okay? Not 10. DeVito pop pass end zone. Touchdown and the ball game. DeVito in relief wins it for the Orange. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. The Bills make me want to Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo. A 14-yard quarterback draw. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. And the celebration begins. This is on the block. Right, you know, there's validity in that opinion. Live from the ESPN studios in Bristol, Connecticut. Brought to you by Dave and Buster's in Destiny, USA, McGuire Chevrolet, and Pathfinder Bank. Ah! See! Here on ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1. ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Heard on 96.5 FM. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, on the ESPN app. While we're here in a little sports operation in Bristol, Connecticut, called ESPN, let us please the corporate bosses who are surely listening over my shoulder as we speak. We love that ESPN app. That is the greatest thing ever invented. You put the app on your phone, ESPN Plus, just $4.99 a month, and the world of sports is at your fingertips. But one of the great things on the ESPN app is the Listen tab. You find the Listen tab, you find ESPN Syracuse, ESPN Utica Rome, and no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you can listen to this show. And we are where all sports broadcasters want to be. We have gone down the yellow brick road to a little place called Bristol, Connecticut, and we are live at ESPN Radio Studios today. A special four-hour broadcast of On the Block. Thanks to Seth Goldberg, who is to my right. Hello, Seth. How are you? This has been fun. Uh, my head is spinning right now, and you are going to hear all about it. Back you were like Syracuse. amazed. I saw you like light up when we walked into some of the studios. I We had to get a small cart to carry my mouth around because my jaw kept hitting the floor at every room we went in, every behind-the-scenes tour we got. The people at ESPN could not be nicer to us today. And the reason we're here today, you may have heard us discussing this and talking about it, was a couple of months back during the NCAA tournament, our friends here at ESPN Radio did a bracket contest, right? So Seth Goldberg submits the bracket. Now, we were at that time, we were actually talking about coming here. Like, right. Why not? We've got the access. They wanted us to come. Remember, we did the Mike and the Mad Dog 30 right. for 30 premiere. We did a couple of movie premieres and the people we from know ESPN the right Radio. People. Exactly. We got people. And they were like, come to Bristol. Come to Bristol. Come hang out. We just came from his office down the hallway, Peachy Sini, Syracuse alum. There's a few Syracuse alums that work here, by the way. Yeah, we got a couple of like Go Oranges walking around. Quite a got, few. We got Zach and, and Tim here with yeah. us. They're wearing some Syracuse stuff, so, so everybody Syrac- knew. The Syracuse alums that are here have been very happy to see Syracuse alums walk around the building. So we've got people. They're like, come to Bristol. Come hang out. Come do a show. And you're always like, yeah, 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 I got to do that. Well, that process accelerated when Seth won the contest. 
because you'll recall we discussed this a bit on the air last year in September. You and Ed and a bunch of people from ESPN Radio locally, some uh, bu- some business partners yep. of ours, got to come here, and I couldn't go. And I was like, oh, but no. Was want, that you had like a concert or something? I to or? go to ESPN. I can't remember why I couldn't go. You came up with some I'm just reason. too sad. I blocked it out of my memory. So then you win the contest, and then we said, well, can we turn this into a contest to bring some people with us? So for uh, a better part of a month, we signed you up. At McGuire Chevrolet, the taste of Syracuse on the radio. And one of the people that signed up is here in the studio with us. You're going to hear from him in, in a few minutes. You heard from him last week when we were at Dave and Buster's doing the Papa Shot contest. Zach Kiggins wins the Papa Shot contest at Dave and Buster's. He brings his dad, Tim, with him. So you're here for those gentlemen all in their orange today, walking through the hallways of Bristol. And We've got a lot to do uh, throughout this four-hour show. You're going to hear in just a few minutes, as a matter of fact, from ESPN's Doug Kazarian. And Doug has really gone into the gambling realm. Look, pro sports have come around on this. Some of, you know, between the NBA, the National Football League, the NHL, the professional sports, some are more than others. But they all recognize the importance of it. And seeing that gambling sports gambling just became legal in our great state we figured we'd turn to the espn expert on this so when the phrase for entertainment purposes only not anymore becomes extinct which is going to be shortly doug can lead the way for so he'll tell you about his show what he does some great gambling content that you can find on the espn app as a matter of fact and on espn we talked to doug on orange nation super bowl week he was awesome i mean because that's that's like the betting you know like that that's that's it right like that i Pardon the phrasing. It's the Super Bowl of of gambling too. You know, you, you've <laughs> the got Super to get, Bowl is the Super Bowl of gambling. Yeah, you've got to get action on everything. Absolutely, you can't come to ESPN and not talk NFL in some ways. Even here in June, and we're we actually joked about this with some guests you're going to hear down the road who will uh, reveal here momentarily. I mean, if you're on Twitter, you saw it. But for those of you yeah. that are just tuning in on the radio. It's list season in sports talk radio, right? It's Mount Rushmore season, as we say. You got to get creative in the summer months. But one thing you can always come back to is just talk football. As I always say on the show, summer's just killing time till football season. So, what better way to kill some time during waiting for football season than to talk some NFL? Diana Rossini is going to join us here in studio about three thirty from NFL Live. I just looked up here. We are in the studio. There are we've got to tweet a couple two, pictures four, out of this. Six, eight, ten. There are thirteen monitors. Did you count, did you count these two over yes. my head? Okay. There are thirteen monitors in this room we are in right now. Tim, one of our contest winners, asked a great question. Like, how many monitors are in this building? This not only this building, this, this campus, campus, this small town that exists as the worldwide leader in sports. So you can see Diana Rossini on NFL Live today, and she's going to be in studio with us in the three o'clock hour at five fifteen down the road. So plan on this. If you're listening now, you're going to be somewhere else doing something. We'll certainly put it up on ESPNSyracuse.com and everything. But if you want to hear this as it happens, right after their show this morning, we got a chance in their studio to talk to Golick and Wingo of the Golick and Wingo show. Golick Jr. as well joined us. So we are going to air that interview a little bit down the road at about 5.15, so stay tuned for that. There is so much to do, so much to tell you about from ESPN, and you're going to have to forgive us. You know, this is like a dream come true for 
All of us, you've been here before. Seth's like, eh, yeah, I had a head start I've on seen you. that, and I've done that, <laughs> whatever. He's just like looking at his phone the whole time. Meanwhile, no, look, I was doing very important work of social media, all right? I exactly. was posting on our Twitter account. Exactly. Yes. Posting to Instagram. Paulie's texting you every five seconds. Make sure you're putting pictures on social media, Grandpa. All of a sudden, social media becomes a priority for him. So you had seen all this, but for those of us that had not, I don't even know where to start. First of all, listen, when if you've never been to Bristol, if you've never been here, picture Fayetteville or Skinny Atlas or like a nice Cheers central New York town. Yeah. And then you go down the road and all of a sudden there's all these satellites in these buildings in this massive operation that is ESPN. And it is when they say it is a campus, it is truly a campus. And everybody we've talked to here has worked, you know, different. I've worked here 20 years. I've worked here 10 years. I've worked here, you know, back in the day, even just people that have started working here recently. And they tell you that it's ever growing. More buildings go up and all that used to be like a McDonald's. And now there's this huge digital operations center or whatever the case may be. So we came in last night. Our GPS took us on the lovely back roads of, of Connecticut. So Yeah, I don't know where we were. <laughs> Good thing the GPS did. We got here. Good thing the lady in your phone knew where we were going. That was supposedly the fastest route, too. So we get here last night, and on uh, I'm going to sound like you know I'm, I'm big time here, but on the recommendation of John Wildhack, former <laughs> ESPN executive, now Syracuse University athletic director, I recommended a great restaurant that we went to, which was just down the road here from Bristol, Mentioning and former ESPN exec, fantastic picture posted go. on Twitter Twitter yesterday. There you go. Fantastic uh, photo. Uh, boom. So we had a great dinner, and the ESPN put us up at a terrific hotel here in Bristol. Seth and I drove down here last night just to kind of get the lay of the land. Where is it? How far is it from the hotel? And just even then, when it's dark, you get a sense of how massive this operation is. So then this morning... We come here, and it has just been a whirlwind since we stepped foot on campus here with Zach and Tim, our contest winners. So we got here. We went to the very famous ESPN Cafe, which is delicious, by the way. The food is amazing, and the choices that are there, like, you never have to leave this place. Like, if you work here, I don't know why you ever leave I think, you, I think you want to find a place to sleep. There's plenty of places to sleep <laughs> around here. Have you have you have you been looking around? So uh, we started there and we hung out for like the last 20 minutes of Golik and Wingo. Hung it, watched them do their show. Saw you know Jason Fitz and who's a Raiders fan. Tim and Zach are our contest winners. Huge Raider fan, so they love getting to meet Jason Fitz. And then uh, afterwards, we got to interview Golik and Wingo in their studio. Like, yeah, that was cool. That was like surreal. You were, we were watching uh, their show on TV like an hour earlier. When we walked in, like how surreal was that? Like I'm watching you in the hotel 20 minutes ago, and now I'm looking at you. <laughs> Trey and Golick and Golick Jr. could not have been nicer, could not have been more generous with their time, told some fun stories, and you'll hear that interview down the road. So after that, we went to the Sports Center studio. The Sports Center studio, which is what, Seth, 9,500 square feet? Something like that. It's humongous. It was, it took up like a city block, it seemed. It was so big. So you walk and think of that that studio. You see Scott Van Pelton. You see the, whatever Sports Center that you watch, that massive studio. 
and we walk in, and they were getting ready for the noon sports center. And just to be in that set, and they had a giant picture of Zion Williamson up, and you're just you're you're on the sports center set. Like I couldn't stop just looking around. I've got a video that I'm going to post sitting in the seat from the sports center set. And so you get a perspective of whoever's in that chair when they're doing that show, what they're doing. And we got the tour of that. I mean, I'm not going to get everything in now. We'll no. kind of spice it through as, as we go through the program. But that was only the beginning. It was amazing. It, it, it was absolutely incredible. So we have more to tell you about our day here in Bristol, the things that we saw, the behind-the-scenes things, the people that we've met, lots of SU people, as you can imagine, lots of Syracuse alums that work here, and a lot of terrific guests that are going to come on with us. One who is here, ready to, to, to roll here, and he's going to give us some great advice because the state of New York has finally come around on the sports gambling realm. So we need to know what to do. Not that we haven't been seeing, you know, Johnny two times on the side there, you know, Vinny Boombach, hey, is a little money on the Giants game. But now all we have to do is walk into whatever local casino. Just wait until there's one in is- the carrier dump. Just wait oh, until there's a coming. window in the dome that you could just walk to. Wait till you just can get on your phone and and do what a lot of people around the country have been able to do, around the world have been doing. So our first guest is coming up shortly, Doug Kazarian from ESPN. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Doug ESPN. He'll give us some great sports gambling advice, talk about living here and working here in Bristol and the ESPN experience. Diana Rossini later in the show, Golik and Wingo later in the show. More behind-the-scenes stories from ESPN. Brent Axe, it's Seth Goldberg. We are live in Bristol, Connecticut. Back after this with Doug Kazarian, ESPN. You're on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Live from the ESPN studios in Bristol, Connecticut. Brought to you by Dave & Buster's in Destiny, USA. McGuire Chevrolet and Pathfinder Bank. Having a blast in Bristol. ESPN. What a day. We've been on the air since 2 o'clock, but if you're just joining us, welcome. On the road today at a little outfit called ESPN. And as uh, I mentioned earlier, just it, if you've never been to ESPN, it's like you're driving through Skinny Atlas or Manlius or Fayetteville and just kind of driving along, driving along. And all of a sudden, there's this 22 buildings, sprawling campus, satellite dishes everywhere. Like this is, it's a town within a town. It's like a, it's like a complex. It's amazing to, and we've only seen part of it. It's like right? if you took Syracuse University's campus and plopped it down in some suburb. Uh, That's you really know, it. Like somewhere else. I it's really a college campus. It's uh, this is almost bigger than the Syracuse I think it might University be. Yeah. campus. It's yeah. huge. It's incredible. Uh, Seth, we were talking some basketball earlier. I want to transition into some football. We're going to hear from Golik and Wingo, by the way, about a half hour from now, right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. You hear them every morning on ESPN Radio Syracuse, but we got a chance to chat with them right after the show this morning. We'll play that for you coming up. But, look, we knew football uniforms were coming. John Wildhack comes to the press conference last week, discusses a number of things, and then uniforms come up. Just so happens there's a Syracuse University event on Friday at Lava at the Turning Stone, and there's going to be some pretty significant people there. It's kind of a thank you for some donors and some football. The public is certainly welcome to come as well, and you just got a sense like, hmm, why is Syracuse having an event on a Friday night at the Turning Stone? And after Wild Hack did his press conference, like you put two and two together. Now, he said, stay tuned. We tried to drag it out of him. On this show, we had a one-on-one interview with John Wildhack, which you can listen to at ESPNSyracuse.com in the audio vault. So 
was it today that Syracuse football put that image out? On Instagram, yeah. So on Instagram and Twitter and, and the social media, as the kids call it, it's like you can tell it's something new. It's like a football helmet in a shadow. And you only see the face mask. You only see the face mask like coming out of the shadows. So we know something new is coming. Is right? it disappointing if it's only a helmet? Like, is this the it's like the uniform version of the question is Zion a disappointment if he's only Blake Griffin? Like, it would still be really cool if they got new, it would still be really cool if they got new helmets. Yeah. But like, it would kind of be a letdown, wouldn't it? Like, if they only got helmets out of this, it wouldn't be a letdown to me because you I, don't care. I don't care. I am at the point where. The only opinion that matters, and fans might get upset to hear this, but to me, you know whose opinion matters on uniforms? The ones wearing them. The 18 to 22-year-old, air quote, student athletes that are wearing the uniforms because they're wearing the uniforms. Now, if Syracuse could work this out. So, as Wild Hack said Friday at that press conference, we've heard you. You're our fan base, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was basically they have spoken loud and clear how they feel about our uniforms, which, by the way, again, I think are fine. They're, I, they're fine. They're fine. I like that they mix them up. I like that there's a modern look. you got to appeal to the younger generation of what they're wearing because all these fans that say, hey, you just put the classic look there from the McNabb era and you'd be fine. I wouldn't hate that, but guess what? A lot of these kids that are playing on this team weren't even alive then, so they don't give a crap about that. For one game, great. Go throwback. Like when Syracuse plays Clemson, and if that happens to attract a little thing called game day, a little thing from ESPN, then, yeah, you want to stand out. That would be awesome, right? But not game in and game out. Like as an old man, 40 is pretty old, right? It's kind of old. I've got some experience. If they, we'll call it experienced, all right? That, that I do have some gray hairs coming in, too, so I do qualify as old. But if basketball just did the scripted uniforms from oh, the Sherman Douglas era, be great. I'd, I'd be fine with that. If the football uniform was the classic McNabb era look, mid-90s look, I'd be fine with that. But I also get that changes or, or that tastes change in different generations. Different generations want their own things to relate to. My daughter's 12 years old and is starting to come into her own with pop culture and music and things that she is grasping. And I listen to it and I'm like, what is this nonsense? But that's what my mother said when I got in the car one day with a Pearl Jam album. Of course. And she wanted to rip her ears off. Right. That's why we went podcast on the way down and sports talk rather than music. Exactly. The two of us would probably have different tastes in music. Right. We've talked about this, though, with Julian Wiggum, haven't we? Yes. Where we've asked him about uniforms and he's like, no, that's like a thing. Like people care. And they do. And he I I think he rem- I remember him saying like hey they were excited when they got just that new helmet right to go with the old uniform they were excited when they got that new uniform to go along with the new helmet and then you got another new hel- a different color helmet on top of that like it's something that excites people Look and good, you know what? feel good play good. exactly and and if you're going to do something that excites people even if it's only the the 18 to 22 year olds who are on the field who cares and who cares what any of us think and if i could steal a phrase from a man who's no longer here in Bristol, though still has an office, which is right down the hall, and I took a picture outside his door, Stephen A. Smith. However, if Syracuse is smart, no matter what we see on Friday that they're wearing on the field, in this new deal with Nike, you need to make merchandise available that your fans want. They want orange uniforms. Do you think they want number 13? Does number 13, who wears that, get a cut of it? I mean, no, because, you know, college athletics. I'm 
opening up that can of worms <laughs> right now. But of course they want that. So you can, uh, it is possible, what has always frustrated me, and again, as I just said, I don't care about uniforms, but what has frustrated me is why can't you do both? Why can't the players be happy? This is what you're wearing on the field. We're changing the look. Every, what is it, Wednesday or Thursday during football season, they do a, a really well done video that says, this is our look this week. And they're all really cool. And that's cool. And I like that. And I like that they're with the times and the players look forward to it and you have different looks. But why can't you also have all this over here for the fans? Doesn't that make a lot of sense? So I think with this Nike deal, and I'm just speculating here, but just kind of reading the tea leaves from John Wildhack. They've solved this problem. So I think what we're going to, and I'm just, this is total speculation on my part, but I think on Friday what we're going to see is both. Here's some uniforms we're going to wear, and oh, by the way, you can buy this one at, you know, your favorite website on Monday or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I think that they're going to make it very obvious and well known that certain jerseys are available. I, I think they have to, especially given what John said at the press conference last week, right? When he said, hey, I heard it loud and clear. I know our fans want orange uniforms. I think I think that they're going to make it pretty well known that, like, hey, we have new uniforms. Go get them somewhere. Go go to Qs.com or go to the bookstore or whatever it might be. Go to Nike's website, whatever. And I think John taught us a good lesson at that press conference when he said that, you know, and again, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was basically like, the fee is modest. It's not like the money changing hands here is overwhelming. It's this is mostly about merchandise. It's about outfitting the twenty teams at Syracuse University and making sure their shoes, their warm up gear, the uniforms have that Nike swoosh on them, right? But that was an education in this sense. When it ever it kind of harkened back to, well, why can't you do this? And Syracuse would politely kind of point at Nike and say, well, we're kind of limited by what they can do. What I'm hoping in this new deal is everybody's happy. You want an orange uniform? You want to go to Dick's Sporting Goods and buy it? Here it is. And meanwhile, the players are going to wear this one. And, oh, if you yeah. want to buy that, okay, here's the link to, to go do it. Isn't it also possible, and I don't know because it's only been one year, but isn't it also possible that Nike was just like, look, your football program's not good enough to warrant this much attention to it? And like, yeah, we'll help you and we'll get certain things out to merchandise and we'll do certain things for you as a football program and we'll do you know certain things for your uniforms. But, like, you don't deserve Oregon. You know, you, you don't deserve what we do for, That's exactly for X, Y, and Z schools. But now that, like, they're a 10-win team and you think yep. that they might be able to keep this thing going, maybe it's like, hey, you know what? Yeah, we, we probably should give them a little bit more. And as John Wildhack told me last week on this show when we had him on, as important as the relationship is with basketball and Jim Beheim, and it goes back to 1982 with Syracuse basketball and Nike, it is football that drives the bus in all of these conversations. If it's uniforms if it's television coverage, whatever the case may be. I think you make a great point there, Seth. I think Nike finally came around and said, okay, football, we hear you, we see you, you're not Oregon, but yeah, now we'll give you those alternate jerseys that you've been asking for. Let's break on that note. We've got a lot more to come. Golick and Wingo in about 20 minutes. Looking forward to you hearing that conversation. Uh, We're going to tell you more about our day here at ESPN, some of the the behind-the-scenes things that we have seen and done. If you want to talk O'Shea and Tyus and the draft and the uniform discussion we just had, you're more than welcome to do so at 437-7644. We're live today at ESPN, Bristol, Connecticut. We're back after this. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Live from the ESPN studios in Bristol, Connecticut. Brought to you by Dave & Buster's in Destiny, USA. McGuire Chevrolet. 
and Pathfinder Bank. We're back, baby, here in Bristol, Connecticut, site of a four-letter network. They talk about sports a lot. ESPN. What a day we're having. Halftime over. This is great, man. I didn't. I wasn't sure, Seth, going back to the four-hour days. I used to do a four-hour show every day, and I still don't know how the heck I did it. But when you go to ESPN, you got to do a four-hour show. So here we are in hour three. Yeah. It's flown by. Why not? It's flying by. We've had some great guests so far. Uh, Diana Rossini from NFL Live. Chris Jastrzemski is hanging with us here in studio. And earlier we heard from Doug Kazarian on the gambling content and his gambling show and something that we as, as New Yorkers will finally get to do, you know, legit Walk into your local casino and, and bet on some sports, and that should be ready. Everything we're hearing is by football season, by August 1st. So those are the guests we had previously. We'll put those all up at ESPNSyracuse.com in the audio vault. Still to come, Golick and Wingo. We got a chance to sit down with those guys and a Golick Jr., by the way, right after their show this morning in their studio. And that's where we are. We're at ESPN in one of the many studios here just in this studio we're in right now, we're just joining. If you're just joining us out there, we have 13 monitors, and you just see people walking around. And you know, we had some of them on the air certainly, but you you look around and you just recognize the faces and you see the people. And to be watching Golik and Wingo in my hotel room this morning, and then a half hour later, shaking Mike Golik's hand, it's just it's been a surreal experience so far. We'll give you more behind the scenes stories as we go, but with two days. Remaining until the NBA draft, Syracuse fans certainly wondering if O'Shea Brissett will get drafted, if Tyus Battle will get drafted. And look, there's a hundred mock drafts out there. There's a lot of resources out there. I think we've tried to tell you what some of the best are. Like follow this guy. Follow, you know, Jonathan Gavoni on ESPN. And that's not just chilling for where, you know, my two feet are planted here. He puts in the work. He travels. He goes to these tournaments. Like he works on this all year long right Sam Visney from the athletic who recently updated his player rankings now this is not a mock draft but he does have O'Shea Brissett in his top 60 60 players go in the NBA draft he updated his mock which will be continuously updated over the next couple of days based on things you hear get closer to the draft neither O'Shea or Tyus are in the mock draft but you know O'Shea when I talked about that before Sam got in touch with me on Twitter and said, well, he's not there now, but he's right on the cusp of it, hence where he put him in his player rankings today. You you know, before we get into the basketball, I was going to bring that up. So since you reached out to him and you talked with him Mm -hmm. on DM after that, did he, like, personally send you a link to this one, or did... Did you just have to like go find it and be like, "Oh, I see that he has new player rankings." No, I didn't. Or, like, get the are personal. you now buddy buddy now? And you got I mean, personal listen, personal DM I, to you. I do. He slid into my DMs, gave me the info, dog. <laughs> That's how it works these days. You got to appeal with the millennials. Yeah, no, exactly. we just talked back and forth, and and I was asking him about it a little bit, and he didn't want to give much away in terms of uh, where his next rankings were going to be. But he said, "Don't." What he told me is, "Don't be surprised if he's in the mock before." Thursday happens, and yeah. we're two days away, so he's inching up on that. You know, I think it's interesting. You 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 have the 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 Sam's rankings there, and we we we're looking at uh, Seth Davis's article with Finch, which I, yes. I think is really good. Um, just looking at what's being said about both Tyus and O'Shea, and and you mentioned where Tyus and O'Shea were, um, you know, in in those rankings. We've kind of been saying for a while we thought O'Shea was the better NBA prospect, oh, no and, and it's interesting it. to really see this play out because I think a lot of Syracuse fans were still of the mindset that Tice was the better NBA well, guy here's or the, the better player. I put this out on Twitter the other day, and I'm going to read this to you here briefly. Uh, 
speaking of what we were saying a moment ago, who are some of the best sources out there? So Seth Davis from The Athletic and CBS Sports every year, he does this article and he calls him Finch. Like Finch is like the composite opinion of a lot of different NBA people that he talks to. And he has rankings for not just the players that are going to get drafted, guys that are on the fringe, guys that are on the list, like Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett. Now, put all bias aside, if you feel O'Shea and Tyus shouldn't be in the draft, I mean, I don't know why you'd say that about Tyus at this point, but Syracuse fans are Syracuse fans. I was arguing with Syracuse fans on Twitter that are still tweeting at Chris McCullough that you should have played one more year. I mean, how much of a dope are you? Chris McCullough played 14 games. He got hurt and was still a first-round pick. Now, I understand maybe his NBA career didn't pan out the way a first-round draft pick should, but you know what's on Chris McCullough's tax form? Professional basketball player. Like, the guy made some decent coin. He plays pro basketball for a living, and just because he's not an all-star year in and year out, you can call him a bust all you want. You know, you can bust a move to the ATM and, and see what spits out when he does a checking balance inquiry, okay? You know, it's it's funny because you we talked about this last night with Tim and Zach, and we were talking about Chris McCullough in particular. So I knew that people are tweeting at him. Like, really? Like, why? Why? You know, like every why? every time you say it, even though I know that, I'm I'm like, really? Look, because it's like it's it's just so stupid. Knowing what Twitter is, knowing like sometimes you just have to let it slide. Like what person say, and you know what? It's I don't want to call him out on Twitter. I mean, he put it out there publicly. You can go find it. But it's, you know, there's always a few things in there. They're always dads with pictures of their kids. They're always Jesus lovers. They're always things that make you say, like, so why are you saying things like this on Twitter to a professional athlete? It's always, or it's an egg. Oh, those it's, are the best. It's You can narrow it down to a certain category. So that's neither here nor there. The reason I bring it up is, you know... That no matter what happens, people are going to be tweeting the stuff to Tyson O'Shea. Of course. You know, next year, two years, three years from now. So, uh, but to be fair, here's what Finch said in Seth Davis's article. This is about Tyus Battle. Quote, I'm not a big fan. I don't know what he does at a high level. He's an average shooter, average athlete, average playmaker. He's a decent finisher, but he'll have to become a three and D guy. His shooting range definitely has to improve. Despite the fact that he played at Syracuse, he could be a really, really good defender, probably somewhere in the second round, or he could go undrafted, which is actually on the high end from what I've heard and seen about Tyus Battle. Now, was there anything in there that makes you pound your fist on the desk and say, what the hell are you talking about? Is it no? Is it fair to say the thing that I, I was most surprised by is probably somewhere in the second round? If anything, that's a more positive. Yeah, opinion I, I mean, than you I would think. like I, I think I think we agree with everything else. He's an average yes. shooter. Yes, he's an average athlete. I, I think yeah. I mean, and, he's athletic, but he doesn't blow you away. He's an okay playmaker. Um, he doesn't have the shot to be a three and D guy, but that's what he's got to be. And to the one more year people, because that's always the magic elixir. That's what they all tweet to. You name it. O'Shea, go through the list of of guys that have gone from Syracuse to the NBA draft in recent years. Tyus stayed one more year. Guess what? It might hurt him because last year he gets picked. Last year he gets picked, and, I mean, it would have been interesting to see how draft night would have played out. But I'm pretty confident, based on conversations with the the scout who knows, pardon me, and people that follow the draft, he would have gone somewhere in that 45 to 55 range, which, again, is a second-round pick, and you're fighting for a contract, and, you know, you're not living the high life here. You really got to work, but you're getting drafted. That's now in question. So the one-more-year people – that might not work for Tyus. Okay, here's what Finch in Seth Davis's article said about O'Shea Brissett. 
Quote, little surprising he decided to come out. For a long time, I've been dying to like him, but he just never gets anything done. He never makes a shot, turns the ball over. When I saw him during the season, he looked awful, but was better in Chicago at the Combine. He has some nice athleticism off the bounce. I liked him as a freshman, and then last summer, he got into this mode where he was trying to show he's a three-man, and he's really not. I feel like he underachieved at Syracuse. Now, I would not put O'Shea Brissett in the underachieved category at Syracuse because you look at certain stats. Mike Waters has brought up the stat. I've tweeted it. I've mentioned it. In two years at Syracuse, what is it? Only Derek Coleman had more rebounds in two years? That's not underachieving. But I get the sense of that. I get where you look at O'Shea, and he came up short in some areas. He came up short at the rim. He, You see the potential. You see the athleticism. But And not this doesn't mean you, have to, you can't go into the draft, but you don't see like a polished, finished product. You see somebody like, okay, I can work with this, but that's it. It's going to be some work. And if you're one of those one-more-year people, you actually probably make a better case with O'Shea. Yes. That, but, but again... He did go to Chicago. He did get some buzz. He did get some people that said, all right, I can work with this. And it's no longer about you have to be a draft pick. They just want to, they do want to play in the G League. You only make 35 grand a year. Well, 35 grand more than they're making. 35 grand more than they're making now. And you're a professional basketball player in, you know, working on your game in a professional setting and you don't have to go to biology class. If that's what they want, who am I to say you're better off to stay your year or to do whatever? Now, the analysis there, I think, was spot on with those guys. They're both fringe players as it is. They're both going to have long roads ahead to stick in the NBA. They're more likely to be G League guys and or Europe League guys that are really going to have to fight their way up. Yeah, you know, it's and funny. that hasn't really changed with the draft two days away. No, not at all. It's, it's funny, though. Looking at these two, not that I think either is overly unfair or overly harsh, but if you're looking at which one might be more, like the O'Shea one feels a little bit more... Um, harsh or, or harder on him, right? Like, the tie stuff I look at, and all of it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, that that all makes sense. Um, You know, I, I get where he's coming from. He was trying to be a three-man, and he's not. We I, I think everybody kind of notices that. Um, But the underachieve line kind of kind of feels weird to me, doesn't it? Like, I, you mentioned the, the rebounding number. Like, O'Shea Brissett didn't necessarily I don't think that's underachieve. The I think that's the wrong word. Right. Under, like he, he didn't underachieve. Like He but took you a could step see. back. He wasn't as good his sophomore year, maybe numerically, as he was his freshman year. But he didn't. I, I don't think he underachieved. You know what makes a lot of sense in that? And when you watched O'Shea, you can almost sense he was working on his game as opposed to just playing the game. Yes. Like he was working towards something. Like he was told a certain thing about if you want to play in the league, this is what you have to do. And he tried to work on that within the parameters of what Jim Beheim wanted him to do. I wouldn't call that underachieving. But he just needed a purpose. And I think when you get to the pros, you get that purpose. They say, this is what you are. Do this. Whereas in college, you're doing what Jim Beheim wants you to do. Now, I've got to take a break, and I want to continue to talk about the NBA draft. Because all this said, there was another list that came out from ESPN. Let's kiss some corporate butt while we're here in Bristol, Connecticut. But this is the most important list. You can say all you want about all these players that have come out in recent years, what I'm about to tell you about when we come back from the break is the most important tool in Jim Beheim's bag. And we'll do that when we come back from ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut. You stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.